Welcome to the Scottish Fisheries Museum podcast series, Anchored Marine Life in Lockdown. In this series, we take a look back through lockdown so far and share the experiences of people and organisations linked to the marine environment and maritime industries in Scotland. I'm Andrea and in this episode we speak to Vivian Ray and Miles Murray from the Scottish Traditional Boat Festival in Portsoy and hear more from the Minister for Rural Affairs and the Natural Environment, Mary Goujon, Gerard MacDonald from Isle of Barra Oysters and Emily Haig from the Sea Mammal Research Unit in St Andrews who is also an RNLI volunteer. We spoke to Emily, Mary and Gerard in previous episodes of the podcast and you can go back and listen to them if you've not heard them already. We talk about the changes in our coastal and island communities and the impacts to our leisure activities brought on by the pandemic. Let's find out more about who's on this episode of the podcast. Hello, I'm Emily Haig. I work as a project scientist at SRU Consulting. Um, So SRU stands for the Sea Mammal Research Unit and that's based within the University of St Andrews. And then in the RNLI, um, I'm a volunteer crew member on the inshore lifeboat on the D-class and then on the big uh, all-weather lifeboat which is a Mersey lifeboat at the moment. I'm Mary Goujon. I'm the Minister for Rural Affairs and the Natural Environment. My name is uh... Gerard MacDonald. I'm a shareholder and a director in Isle of Barra Oysters, but mostly I just manage the farm. Well, I'm Vivian Ray, festival co-chair. Um, I've been involved with the festival for around 10 years, initially under a marketing and PR capacity, and recently took on the co-chair role along with Miles just last year. So um, the Scottish Traditional Boat Festival in Port Soy started in 1993 as a one-off event to celebrate the tercentenary of the old harbour in the town. Um, and it continued on since then um, and has grown significantly over the years. It now attracts about 16,000 people over the weekend. Um, and has grown international appeal as well. We've got strong connections um, across Europe, especially with Scandinavian countries. And we've also launched the North Sea Ring, which was like a a member group for people with um, enthusiasm about boat building and communities around the coastal areas um, around the North Sea. Uh, each year for the festival there's like five different elements of the festival so obviously the maritime and boats um, we've got craft fair a food fair we've got live music across various different stages in the festival and we've got a children's activity program as well so um, lots really for hopefully all the family to to come and enjoy over the weekend Hi, uh, Miles Murray I took on the co-chair role along with Vivian just last year and sort of around about September time prior to that I just assisted with regards to setting up the, the festival I've only been involved for about two years at the beginning of lockdown it became clear very quickly that things would be drastically different in our communities and a lot of sports and other leisure activities would be an impossibility we lost our in-person catch-ups bumping into people in the shops our clubs, our sport teams, and we all had to spend so much more time in our homes. You don't have the same day-to-day interaction with people that you used to have before. I think it's probably been the toughest on rural and coastal communities 
through the pandemic, because I think we have a lot of sectors that have been more exposed to some of the bigger problems that we've seen as uh, through the pandemic. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of sectors that have been really badly hit. I think when we had the the first lockdown, where pretty much every everything shut down, uh, there was a huge knock on impact, and, and like I say, very much so in in rural and, and coastal communities. And I think, I mean, just one example where we can see the impact of that that in predominantly rural local authority areas, the rates of uh, people on universal credit has gone up by 82% in, in those areas. And when you look at the more remote, uh, really remote rural areas and island communities, that's gone up by nearly 120%. So I think you can see through those figures alone that it has had a massive impact on our rural and coastal communities and has really adversely affected them. Travel out with our community was also not possible at first, with five mile restrictions nationwide. This made it difficult for a lot of us, even on the mainland, but for islanders, this was even tougher. Um, one of the big things that we've noticed is complete lack of access to anywhere. Um, we've got folk who work offshore, they can get backwards and forwards, but even that was a bit kind of cagey at first. Um, and um, certainly just traveling to and from the mainland, as people tend to do, it's just not happened. So that's beginning to open up a wee bit and right, I'm going away tomorrow. <laughs> so I go, go and see my mother for the first time in four or five months. So, um, so it's, um, it's, there's been this kind of almost like a double lockdown. But the other side of that is that quite a lot of people here have got crofts and, you know, your house is on your croft. So rather than being restricted to staying in your house and in your garden, you've got a bit more room. You know, so from that perspective, uh, it's a bit easier that, you know, that you maybe have to plan a bit more carefully on the mainland when it was fully in lockdown. Here, uh, we had a wee bit more freedom in the sense that you could go up around your croft so you have a bit more, uh, bit more space to play with. Do you still feel like, I guess, a little bit stranded in a way for a while? Or has it just been quite nice to embrace your community? There was definitely a feeling of isolation, um, and, and, and I think probably there was a, a bit of an increase in in the community feeling. But the way that we generally out here express our community feeling is to, to go and have bigger gatherings. <laughs> For the islands, community is a valued and important part of everyday life, and finding leisure in these areas often come from community events or gatherings which have not been able to happen. On the other hand, lockdown led to some people picking up new hobbies or doing activities closer to home that they usually wouldn't. With more time at home and less commuting, Marie Goujon explored pastures closer to home while going on walks and runs. I think because like everybody, I mean, you need to be able to have these kind of things that keep you sane. So, I mean, I, I really enjoy running anyway. So, um, and I think we were, we were blessed with the, the weather that we had at the start of lockdown anyway. So. And that's one thing that I've absolutely loved. I mean, I'm from Brechin, I've pretty much lived there all my life, but it was incredible. I discovered so many new bits that I'd never explored before. I think because you, you couldn't go on your same old routes every day. So you were trying to branch out and find different areas. And 
it's I actually felt like I fell in love with the area all over again because it really made me appreciate it and like I say discover all these new things and exciting little places and 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 spots that I'd I'd never visited before even though I've I've lived there pretty much like 35 years so yeah it's been it's been good in that sense and I think it's it was important for me anyway to to make sure that you know try to be healthy maintain exercise and you know keep your keep your mind focused because it has been a really difficult and challenging time for everyone so I think having that little bit of exercise and getting out and about does make the difference. People living close to the coast definitely spend more time walking the coastal routes and visiting their local beaches and some people picking up more extreme new hobbies like cold water swimming or even windsurfing. It was good to see people starting to appreciate what their local area had to offer and bringing on new activities and hopefully that was helping their physical and mental health. But with more people exploring there also became risks. We've, I would say we've had roughly the same about, amount of call-outs as normal. The call-outs have mainly been to people that are out on the daily exercise. Um, to, to people doing sort of things that are probably more dangerous than they should have been doing um, in lockdown. So to the chain walk, which we kind of recommended people should stay away from when we're trying to protect the NHS, don't be going... Uh, climbing the chains on the cliffs at Ely um, we went to a few call outs there um, and call outs to I think more people are looking at the sea at the moment and they're spotting things that they wouldn't normally see so call outs for basically to check if people are okay that might look like they're in trouble and to go make sure they're all right or to give them some safety advice on how to keep themselves safe so I think I think just people spending more time at the coast has meant that we've just got a different type of call-outs than, than perhaps normal where it'd be fishermen with nets, uh, their propellers tied up with nets. It's now just people having their eyes out on the sea or going along the coastal path a bit more on the daily exercise. The RNLI have been definitely hit by lockdown, an important asset in any coastal community and they've been affected by closures of gift shops meaning less money for the charity and restrictions reducing the amount of lifeguards on our beaches. This is why people visiting beaches have been urged to read up on beach safety before visiting their local beaches. And you can go to the RNLI website rnli.org slash safety slash beach dash safety. Yeah, yeah, I think for us at the moment it's quite a difficult time just to make sure we're quite a big crew, so to make sure that we're all safe and we're, we can't adhere to social distancing. So we'll try our best. So it's it's kind of a, a goodwill gesture from the RNLI to ask people not to put us in that situation in the first place. But if we do, obviously, we'll go and do our best. But it's, yeah, it, in a time when we're all trying to look out for each other, it's probably... <laughs> First, if people just do things that are a little bit more sensible than they'd normally do or take a bit more precaution than usual. Now, in the past, if you've been to Anstruther of an evening or at any weekends, you may have seen people taking part in quite a popular leisure activity in these areas, coastal rowing. Unfortunately, as this is a team activity, it was put on hold for quite some time. 
LCDs, who rows for the St Isles rowing team, said, I love the water, it's in my blood. I got into rowing through my dad, brother and nephew who were already enthusing about this new skiff. I eventually saw a photo and decided I wanted to have a go and see how I liked it. Our part of the coast is home and the constantly changing conditions makes every row a different experience, which is great. And we have seen over the years many more people get into these skiffs and get take part in coastal rowing, which has been great to see. And again, it was really unfortunate that it had to stop during the start of lockdown. This was especially a big impact as something very big was happening in the world of coastal rowing. It was the 10th anniversary of the Scottish Coastal Rowing Association and to celebrate that and the Euro Coastal Waters, which was Visit Scotland's big theme this year, they had a row around Scotland planned and this became impossible. So they did it virtually. You can go to rowaround.scot to find out more. And in August, the St Isles rowing team rowed Crail to Pit and Wean Stretch over a couple of days of the virtual row around Scotland. Another Year of Coast and Waters event was set to happen in Portsoy. The Scottish Traditional Boat Festival has been running for over 25 years in Portsoy and has been a large community investment and asset, attracting over 16,000 people over the weekend each year. Portsoy has had a much quieter summer this year and this may continue into next year. This year's festival had gotten some major funding from the Year of Coast and Waters programme, which has now been put on hold. Like every other um, event organiser in the, the world, probably, we were extremely disappointed to have to, to cancel the festival. Um, we made the, the really difficult decision fairly early on um, before we started spending too much um, for the festival and also to give our sponsors and those that had planned to attend the festival good notice that we had to make the cancellation. Um, but it was by no means a, an, an easy decision for us to make. Um, especially disappointing for the, the committee because we had put a lot of plans in place um, already for the festival. We'd been working quite hard probably from about September, October of the previous year um, to pull together the programme for the festival. Um, so it was hugely disappointing not to see all of that um, good work come to fruition um, at the end of the day. But we um, had also secured, of course, the Euro Coast and Waters funding through Event Scotland, which was going to enable us to put um, a different theme to the, the festival. We planned to do a bit of a revamp of some of the areas of the festival um, and bring in some new activities for people to enjoy, all based around um, the Euro Coast and Waters. Miles and Vivian are the main organisers for the festival and told me about how much they value the Portsoy community and how much the festival means to them. Well, I think probably uh, Vivian and myself are both from uh, Portsoy, so we've got a vested interest in the community and trying to promote the town. So I think that's probably one of the, the main aspects of it, why it's important to, to us. Uh, but for the wider vision, as I mentioned just earlier, is it's for the tourism side of it. It's for promoting uh, Portsoy, promoting the, the Barmshire and Aberdeenshire area, and also promoting the northeast of Scotland and taking visitors into our area. So I think that's why it's really important. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with Miles and everything there. I think it's just a burning passion for, for Portsoy, where we were born and bred, um, and, and seeing that remain as somewhere that people want to go and visit. Um, and 
obviously we're contributing in terms of the, the economic um, scope that Miles has mentioned there, uh, just so that we don't fall into a time of decline, um, which would be you know, something that would happen, I think, without tourism as, as more and more businesses are moving out of the smaller towns um, in favour of the larger areas. And we just want to keep it somewhere that people want to, to go and there's an offer of employment there as well. If all is positive, some year of Coastal Waters events will go ahead next year, but it's a little bit uncertain at the moment. The best we can do is to continue to explore our beautiful coasts and support our communities in any way we can. Our guests offer some final thoughts. People look forward to coming to, to Porsoy and they look forward to the whole event. It's a good atmosphere. Um, it's a family atmosphere. People come there and enjoy them, enjoy themselves. So I think it's, it's an event that's on the local calendar. It's actually been really positive seeing more people going out and about and visiting the countryside in Scotland. That's been incredible, and I think that's something we would want to encourage. But we've got to go over the big hump at the beginning, which is which is going to be the next. I mean, this isn't over, and, and, and so we've got. I suspect we'll be feeling this in a year's time at least. And we don't know what's going to happen economically, you know, in the, in the broader basis. So we've got to go over that bit first. That'd be difficult. I think in general, I've noticed there's a lot more people going out on the water, sort of buying kayaks or paddle boards or, or trying uh, wild swimming as well. So I think we've just all spent a bit more time thinking about what we can do from home which has meant that people are getting new hobbies and um, so I'd just say that if you're starting out a hobby like that to just make sure you've got the right kit like wear a life jacket if you take a new film put it in a waterproof case if anything goes wrong you can ring 999 and ask for the coast guard um, even you can get a waterproof radio that you could take with you because um, I think for me and a lot of the call outs we're getting around the coast is to people who are, who are trying out these new hobbies and maybe you're just getting a bit out of the depth but if you take all the precautions and you've got your life jacket on then it should keep you a lot safer than if you're just going out in your t-shirt and shorts. Thank you to Vivian, Miles, Mary, Gerard and Emily who took time out during uncertain times to chat to me for the podcast. You may hear from them again in future episodes. Let us know your thoughts on the topics discussed in today's podcast on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by looking for at Scottfish Museum. Join us in two weeks for episode five of Anchored Marine Life in Lockdown. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.